0: Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is a recording of our monthly contemplative service. It has been lightly edited so you can participate wherever you're listening. Our contemplative service is a gathering wrapped around spiritual practice. Each month we look at the writings and teachings of a different saint, mystic, or spiritual teacher within our Christian tradition. We hear a bit of their life story and then we sit with some of their writings using a variety of spiritual practices. We encourage you to practice with us as you're listening, and may you connect a little deeper with the heart of God along with us.
1: You're ready. (laughs) Uh, Welcome everyone to our long weekend contemplative service, our morning service. It's great to... Be here, who's feeling relaxed? A few people? I'm, I'm feeling less than relaxed, I'm feeling a bit more stressed. We, like, we got home from holidays yesterday afternoon, late afternoon, and then, you know when you just, it's just madness, that's how I feel. Just had a mad 24 hours, but we're, we're here together and we're gonna just be able to rest in God so how about to start we were just like working out the kids I think they're sorted so um we're good awesome um how about we just start by by resting so I just want to invite you to put both your feet on the floor and feel yourself sitting in the chair Take a deep breath in and release that breath. And I just want to invite you to be present here in this space, be present to God who is in this space. let's just begin by lifting up our hearts to God God we lift up our hearts to you we lift up our minds to you God we give you all the things that we're carrying this morning And Holy Spirit, we just invite your gentle presence to move around us, to move in us, to move through us. And just as you're sitting in your chair, I want you to just, keeping your gaze soft, just think of the person sitting to your left and lift them up to God and now just turn your attention to the person on your right and lift them up to God God, with all that we have and all that we are we bring ourselves to you and we love one another by lifting each other up to you and Jesus I just pray that as we're here this morning that you would meet with us that you would Speak to us that you would give each one of us the things that we are needing, that we would know you and be known by you. And we praise you, God of creation, this morning. Amen. Um, we're going to be looking at St. Francis of Assisi this morning. Um, so in the liturgical calendar of the church we're actually in the season of creation which runs from the first day of spring for us through till the fourth of October which is Thursday is that Thursday Wednesday or Thursday and that's um, St Francis's feast day and this is the Sunday that traditionally although we didn't do this today because I did think about it but I decided that I wouldn't maybe plan it for next year this is the Sunday in which all the people, all God's people, are invited to bring their pets to church, um, to receive a blessing, to be blessed. Yeah, this is like, and I, I really, I, <laughs> I really did think if this was um, possible to be done, then I decided that given the last week and a half of my life, it was best to keep things simple. But best to keep Barney at home. And I did think of all of us that have very beloved dogs but that maybe the combination of those dogs in a building and so then I thought well maybe we can just bring you know animals that can sit on a lap. Anyway I really thought it through but I decided to, to, to just go with simplicity but we might do that at one, uh, one Sunday in the future. You could have it out on the grass and like everyone it's, it's, um, it's a really wonderful apparently, um, <laughs> Sunday, but that's a reflection, I guess, of um, of St. Francis, his love for nature, his love for creation, his deep love for animals, and his belief that, um, you know, creation really is a mirror of God to us, and so as we're coming to the end of the season of creation, I thought it was just great to sit with, some of, with the life and the teachings of St. Francis and to just enjoy um, the gift that he has brought to the church for a thousand years. And um, so we'll be doing a few different things. But to start us off, I I wanna read out um, Psalm 148, which is really a beautiful Psalm of creation. And one of the things I think that St. Francis offers us, and he offers this to us alongside Celtic spirituality, which is even older than St. Francis and both of these kind of streams of spirituality in our christian tradition are deeply rooted in creation and they um they 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 just energize us to encounter god in the natural world and this is not new you know we have these ancient psalms that celebrate creation and the gift of god that comes to us through creation but one of the things I think these spiritualities give us is this sense that when we are in relationship to God, when we are praying, when we are praising, when we are gathering together, we are not just gathering alone. Like when you spend time with God uh, through the week, it's not just you. When we gather here this morning as, you know, human people, it's not just us that's gathered God, but all of creation is gathering all the time to God, and um, when we pray, when we worship, we are just joining with the chorus of all creation that is praising God. Um, One of my favorite um, aspects of Celtic spirituality is a practice called um, the Celtic Ocean Pilgrimage, and the Celts had this idea that it didn't matter how far away or close to the ocean you lived, you could do an ocean pilgrimage. So that could be a five minute walk, a 35 minute walk, It could be a 45 hour walk. But the idea was that you would walk to the ocean and when you arrived, you would join with the ocean in praising God. You would join with the seagulls, you would join with the fish, you would join with the waves that were crashing and the wind that was blowing and you would bring your praise to the praise of the ocean and I have you know we we live about a half an hour walk from the ocean and I'll often just walk down there and whether I feel like praising God or not there is a way in which I can join in to what's already happening around me the waves are already praising God the birds are already honoring God Um, just being birds is the way that they honor God and I can join in with that and this psalm is a psalm that captures such beauty and delight of creation and the idea that all of creation is offering praise to God. So I'm going to read it and I just invite you to just read along. If you'd like to close your eyes and just listen, you can do that. And then after we've done that, Chris and Becca are going to play a song that again captures all of creation. And I I just want to invite you to just sit and be and you might listen with your ears. You can also listen with your heart. Maybe the noises of creation will come in and, and, and join us as we praise God this morning. So Psalm 148. Shout praises to the Lord. Shout the Lord's praises in the highest heavens. All of you angels and all who serve him above come and offer praise sun and moon and all of you bright stars come and offer praise highest heavens and the water above the highest heavens come and offer praise let all things praise the name of the Lord because they were created at his command he made them to last forever and nothing can change what he has done All creatures on earth, you obey his commands. So come praise the Lord. Sea monsters and the deep sea, fire and hail, snow and frost, and every stormy wind, come praise the Lord. All mountains and hills, fruit trees and cedars, every wild and tame animal, All reptiles and birds, come praise the Lord. Every king and every ruler, all nations on earth, every man and every woman, young and old, come praise the Lord. All creation, come praise the name of the Lord. Praise his name alone. The glory of God is greater than heaven and earth. Shout praises to the Lord. Yeah.
0: One of us is near side to the other far side. Is that from? Yeah.
1: Thank you guys. It's beautiful. Um, Usually as in our contemplative service we do confession but knowing that perhaps there was you know it's a bit of a mix of our morning and afternoon service I thought we'd take it a little bit lighter. So we're still going to do a little bit of like sharing at one point um, in the next little bit but you know, maybe we'll take it a little bit more relaxed. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about St. Francis and his life and just lead us in some thoughtful reflection. So as I'm just, you might like to, as I'm just sharing some of this, kind of think about where the intersections with your own life might be. And there might be none or there might be might be some. But Francis was born in around 1181 um, in Assisi in Umbria, Italy. So... It's quite a long time ago when you think about it. <laughs> a thousand odd years. Um, his father was a very wealthy cloth merchant. Um, and Francis was actually born while his father was away on a business trip. And he must have been gone a long time because his mother birthed him and then christened him Giovanni di Pietro di Bernardone. So he was um, christened. John, after St. John the Baptist. But when his father returned home from his business trip, he decided he wanted to call his son Francesco instead, because he loved France. And so, Francis, and Francesco is um, a, a, an ode to France, and so he became known as Francesco, or for us, Francis. Um, so, Francis grew up very wealthy and enjoyed all the privileges of a wealthy life. Um, So his father, they were rich, and so he was able to, it was quite a lavish life that Francis lived, and the, um, the things that we have written about him talk about him being very handsome, very charming, very happy, kind of like contented soul, someone that lots of people were attracted to, like people just really loved Francis, and he was expected according to the times, to follow in his father's footsteps and eventually take on his father's business, um, buying and selling cloth, silk, velvet, you know, all the all the things. So you can imagine him being quite well-dressed, maybe one of the most well-dressed young men in the town of Assisi and being handsome he was probably sought after. Um He really longed to have an adventurous life. Um, Like many men of that time, he, you know, read the stories of the knights and the troubadours of France and he he wanted to have adventures. And so when there was a a civil – I say a civil war. That sounds a lot more drastic probably than what it was. But at the time we're talking not necessarily about Italy as a nation but about all these sort of little states and kind of that, you know, had – maybe a bit of you know feisty warring between them at different times and so at one point there was a a civil war or like a regional war between two kind of like different um, towns and Francis joined the Assisi forces and went off to fight the battle of Colostrada. but the Assisi forces lost um, and Francis yeah was captured, and he actually spent um, about 12 months in prison. Um, So it was was, while it was like a, a bit of a, it wasn't like a full civil war, it was quite brutal still. So I think what happened was the other town killed all the young men that were poor, but the wealthy ones they kept in prison to ransom them. So Francis spent 12 months in a prison in a foreign town until his father paid the ransom, and he was brought home again to Assisi. When he came home, he went back to his lifestyle of parties and womanising um, and, you know, I guess you would after you've been in prison for 12 months, I don't know. Um, and so he just sort of... <laughs> <You can see. laughs> yeah, it seems logical, doesn't it? So he went back to his, like, his, his lifestyle, uh, working for his dad, enjoying, you know, the, the wealth and privilege, privilege that, he's, that he had. Um, He was later on, um, one of the quotes of St. Francis says, he, he wrote, I have been all things unholy. If God can work through me, he can work through anyone. And so reading between the lines, you can imagine that he experienced the fullness of what he could later be considered unholiness. Um, even though he had this kind of like lavish lifestyle and he was like a bit of a bit of a party boy, I suppose he still there was the stirrings of like early compassion in Francis. And so there's this story that comes out from his life of he was in the marketplace at his father's stall selling the um, the cloths, the, the silks, and the thing. And he was doing a business deal, and while he was doing this business deal, a beggar comes up and asks for alms. Um, And so Francis, you know, is in the middle of this haggling over price, I suppose, and so ignores the beggar. But as soon as he has finished the deal, he chases the beggar down and gives him all the money that he has in his pockets, uh, which his father very much didn't appreciate. (laughs) And all his friends gave him a bit of grief for being, you know, so compassionate. So you see in Francis's life these early stirrings towards, like, love for the poor and generosity of spirit but he was still kind of you know entrenched I suppose in his in his lifestyle. Still longing for adventure in about 1205 um, Francis decides he's going to uh, go off and join the army and enlist in the fourth crusade so this was the time of the crusades Francis decides he was going to go off and fight in the fourth crusade. So he begs his father to buy him like a full suit of armor um, that people said that like his father really like splashed out and got him like the full suit of armor even trimmed in gold and this beautiful embroidered cloak that he he could you know wear and and a horse and so Francis rides off you know you can picture him like rides off on his horse to go join the crusade but he doesn't get much more than one or two days journey towards where he was going where he had a when he was at night, he had a dream and he saw these visions of God calling him back to Assisi. So he turns around and goes back to Assisi again. His friends completely mock him for only going for two days. And his dad is like just ropeable that he spent all this money on Francis and Francis doesn't actually do anything with it. When he comes back, something has started to really shift in Francis and he he starts to spend a lot of time alone in the hills outside of Assisi. So he just go off wandering. Um, we don't really know what he was doing. Maybe he was praying, maybe he was thinking. We have no idea. But he did actually start to go off and start to wander. And something was happening in, in, a, in Francis at the time. And one day he was praying alone in an abandoned and crumbling church in the hills outside of Assisi when he felt Jesus say to him, Francis, Francis, go and repair my church, which as you can see is falling into ruins. Um, So Francis senses this call from God, takes God literally at his word and thinks that he's supposed to rebuild this crumbling church that he's praying in. So he goes back into town, gets his father's most expensive fabric, sells it, then takes the money to go and repair the chapel which again his father is not impressed with and Francis knows he's not really doing the right thing so he stays like hiding for a little while and then he at one point his father gets him and drags him back into the township brings him before like the bishop and all the townspeople you know the kind of like the 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 village court and kind of demands that Francis is going to pay this money back and stop his wandering in the hills and come and back to his father's business. Well, Francis in this has this moment, I suppose, of decision where he's like, "This is not the life I'm going to live." And so, rumor has it that he strips naked and takes off everything that belongs to his father, and hands all his clothing back to his dad and says, "I'm I'm now no like not no longer your son in like a." I don't know, but you know, like I now, I'm I'm now divesting myself of my responsibility to you. So he stands, presumably there naked, and then he walks off back to his hills. Um, and I'm really like uh, I find that a really interesting thing. And as I've been sort of reflecting on Francis's life and reading about him and around him, I'm struck by that moment of decision in Francis's life, and that it was quite a a decisive moment, you could say, to strip naked and decide that from now on you're going to do something different. And so my invitation for us this morning as we're just like together, no, no, it's not to strip naked. That's not what I meant. Um, I want to invite you to reflect for a moment on perhaps what has been one of the decisive moments of your life. a moment that perhaps you came to a decision or you know you made a a change Um, that might have something to do with your spiritual life it might have something to do with another part of your life that you feel like you came to a point of decision Um, but I've sort of been reflecting on how, as I see in Francis's life, that there was this sort of long kind of build-up in Francis that was happening. I think he felt a leaning and a call towards the poor and compassion. Um, We see him being kind of wooed, I guess, by God in different little ways over years. And then it comes to this moment of decision that Francis is like, I'm deciding this is a line in the sand for me and so I just want to give you a moment to just think what has been like a decisive moment in your life a line in the sand moment for you where you were like maybe maybe it was a gradual movement towards something but then there was a moment that you were like I'm deciding I'm deciding to do this so just take a moment to just think about that you to do is if you feel like you'd like to share that with the person next to you um, you can do that Um, i'm going to give you a few minutes just to share if you don't want to share that's okay Um, here at central we want to be able to like you know speak our truth and be vulnerable with one another but there are times when we're not really up for that and that's okay as well and so if you don't feel like sharing maybe you'll just listen to the person next to you um, share their thing and then just you're very free to just say I'm not up for sharing this morning but why don't you just share with someone around you one of those moments for you um, that was decisive and meaningful in in your life give you a couple of minutes to do that Chris and I were just briefly sharing how for us, you know, you can think of a few different decisive moments in your life Um, and that for us there was a, a difference between a decisive moment when we were stepping into a new thing that we felt like maybe God had led us to, life had led us to, so we're stepping into a new thing, whether that's a relationship or a career or something but there's so much unknown that lies before you. So you say an initial kind of yes and then life unfolds in ways that you don't expect, like that's one kind of decision. But then we're also talking about the decision that you make to step out of things and how that's a different kind of decision too, that, you know, decisions to step in, decisions to step out that they're often defining and, you know, the beginning of journeys, the beginning of unknown things in our lives. So. Francis had this real defining moment where he left his life of wealth and he becomes something else or begins to continue becoming something else. So after that moment in the, the city square, um, Francis just wanders the hills as a beggar and lives a very poor existence. He does spend time working in a nearby monastery. He also spends time working at a local leper Um clinic. That's the wrong word for that era, but that kind of thing. I didn't want to say colony. I know, colony, leper colony. He does like, um, you know, and he had this time where wherever he went, he begged stones. Like he'd go through a CC asking people for stones and every time he got a stone, he'd take it to that old church where he first heard Jesus say, build my crumbling church. So in two years, he'd rebuilt uh, the church with all the stones that he'd received off people. I mean, I would have thought money or bread would have been uh, more practical, but he did rebuild that country chapel anyway. Um, he, he took to warring w- warring, wearing the the woollen um, dress of the peasants, which is that brown robe that we often see Franciscans wearing. and he, wore, he, he, he bound it with a like a knotted rope. Um, So he wore the clothing of the poorest peasant and he built a little hut out in the hills to live in. Um, And he wandered the countryside and began talking about Jesus, whom he had come to really love. His message was very simple. He had a message of repentance, of brotherly love and of peace. And it didn't take long, a few years, before he had a little following of people that were drawn to him. I mean, he was always very perhaps you could say charismatic and attractive person but even in this life of poverty and simplicity he began to attract people who wanted to live the same kind of spiritual life that Francis was embodying and so he made a little um, simple rule for his followers himself and his followers and it was this to follow the teachings of our Lord Jesus and to walk in his footsteps And so living out the way of Jesus and walking became really important for Francis. Eventually, he he goes to Rome to get permission to start, um, you know, an official order. And he does receive permission from the Pope to start a little order. So we see the beginnings of the Franciscans. There was only... 12 of them at the time and the Pope says to them look go off and when you've got more I, I endorse you you're allowed to go around preaching but when you've got a few more followers come back and see me and we'll make it official and so they do that it didn't take long before there was a lot more Franciscans um, around the place in different parts of Italy and one of the things that was really unique about the Franciscans was they, they were one of the first they call them mendicant friars but really what that means is one of the first walking monastic groups so historically most monastic groups had been centered around a monastery and so the idea was there was a monastery in different parts and people would come to the monastery but St Francis had a different vision of Jesus and the gospels which was that we will go to the people and so they were an order of people who didn't have a monastery that would travel from town to town would preach the gospel and talk about Jesus and so in such a way they really witnessed the life of Jesus to so many people because they were a a going kind of of monastic order and so that's the beginning of the Franciscans. and Francis is known as a deep lover of creation. Um, it's, it's said that he began by preaching the gospel to the birds and the creatures of the forest. Um, he believed that creation was a mirror of God and considered all creatures his brothers and sisters. And so he kind of had a maybe a bit far more egalitarian idea of creation that opposed to like humans being the, pin, the apex predator, you could say, and everyone else underneath us. Um, Francis had a much more kind of like brotherly idea of creation And he, in some of his prayers he's got you know, the canticle of creation Which he would talk about brother sun and sister moon And this idea that all of creation is, is in relational connection to us And our spirituality is connected to how we treat creation and how we live with creation um, And Francis I think one of the other things he was deeply known for Is just really a very simple Jesus kind of way um, a simple faith a simple love of Christ a simple following of Jesus and so some of the things you might um, be familiar with Francis saying is preach the gospels every day and only if you have to use words that's a very um, well-known Franciscan statement and the other state one of the other statements of that Francis said which has really been sitting with me this past month is is this one up here. There is no use in walking anywhere to preach if your walking isn't your preaching. And as I've been sitting and thinking about that and thinking about my own, you know, journey with Christianity over the past many years, I think one of the things that I've um, become quite concerned by is the idea sometimes in our faith that we have begun to think that the ends justify the means And so I feel like there's often a way in which we think, oh, it doesn't matter how we get people saved, we just got to get them saved. But there's a toxicity to that that I think Francis understood and was talking about. And it comes through in this statement there's no use walking anywhere to preach if your walking isn't your preaching. And so I have felt a challenge to myself this month to think about there's no use me saying I'm a follower of. Jesus if my life doesn't reflect the way of Jesus like the way we do things the way we live out our faith matters as much as what we say our faith is and I think that's a great challenge to us from Francis um, in our own spirituality is just to be able to hold that actually how we live out our faith really matters not just the faith we profess to believe and so I'm going to finish this little bit by just reading out a prayer of St Francis which again you might be really familiar with and it's a beautiful prayer. as to console to be understood as to understand to be loved as to love for it is in giving that we receive it is in pardoning that we are pardoned and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life amen Luke's going to lead us just in a short lectio from some of the sayings of Francis
2: Oh, Yeah, so yeah, we're just going to do a, do a brief Lectio together. Um, so if, you, if you're not familiar with Lectio, essentially, well, today we'll be kind of just reflecting on um, a few kind of little short bits of sayings of Francis, and we'll re- just read them out a couple of times, and then we'll sit um, just for a minute or so just to let them kind of sink into, into us a little bit, read over the bits that stand out to us, um, or a particular word or phrase. And then we'll just we'll spend a few minutes and just have a time where we can just sh- share some just simple reflections. Um, and it's yeah, the idea I guess is kind of just to express what's sort of popping into our head, not to um, overanalyse things, but just to share out of the simplicity of our reactions or what's stirring in us or what happens to us as we hear and sit with some of these words. Um, and then we'll, we'll um, pray and just have a, a, a moment of sort of final meditation on that at the end. So... That'll be good. So if we pop them up and then I don't know if there's two people that might be happy to read, read through sort of the lot of them once each. Does anyone want to do that for us? Thanks Becky. Is there anyone else that would like to do it? Mum, thanks.
3: All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. We have been called to heal wounds To unite what has fallen apart and to bring home those who have lost their way. The measure of love is to love without measure. It was easy to love God in all that was beautiful. The lessons of deeper knowledge, though, instructed me to embrace God in all things. What is it that stands higher than words? Action. What is it that stands higher than action? Silence.
4: All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. We have been called to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. The measure of love is to love without measure. It was easy to love God in all that was beautiful. The lessons of deeper knowledge, though, instructed me to embrace God in all things what is it that stands higher than words action what is it that stands higher than action silence
2: so just Take a moment, and maybe if there's a part of that, one of those sections, or a particular phrase, um, I invite you just to s- sit with that for a moment and let it let it speak to you, let it sink into you, and then we'll we'll share. So, yeah, there's some beautiful parts in there. Um, Yeah, I'd love to hear what is it that's standing out to people or stirring in people. What are your thoughts or reactions? I'll run around with the mic as you... Anyone want to share?
4: very um I don't even know what it means that the silence thing like what's higher than words action what's higher than action silence like I don't even know I can't even comprehend what that in terms of the current debate around the referendum and the fact that the church was instrumental in the yes vote in the 1960s but it has been the institutional church has been silent during this referendum i don't know that's that was what popped into my mind for that that we like all the actions that we might do personally is not making it's not going to make as much difference as if the church stood up and said you should all vote yes and you know we can discuss the separation of religion and state later <laughs>
3: I just wanted to add to that and just say I interpreted that silence to mean listening um, so that like that's the higher action uh, I guess higher than action is just being silent and listening to what's coming to you um, and being contemplative I suppose.
2: Yeah, yeah, listening to people, yeah.
3: Um, I really love. I, I just love that first line. Um, it um, it just gives me hope in so many situations, and that um, yeah, I think in all the ways that you see darkness or, or bad stuff or whatever, there there still is always a light, or there still is always good.
2: Yeah, I yeah had the same response to that. I'm like, oh, that's. I need that reminding sometimes, particularly lately, and just, oh, that's that's really nice, yeah.
5: i like to expand that to say darkness cannot exist where there is light. Yeah, um, the third line
2: was really sticking out to me about um, the measure of love is to love without measure, and that's something God's been speaking to me about recently is to love without measure and um, something I was thinking about as we were going through that is uh, I love in First Corinthians 13 where it talks about like love keeps no record of wrong but where it talks
0: about to love without measure I started thinking like oh what does it look like to love without keeping record of rights either like oh I'm not keeping track of how often I do this for this person but
2: to love the measure of love is to love without measure and to not keep track and not keep score and yeah
0: yeah mm. Mm.
2: Yeah, that's lovely. And I think also it gives room for love in the smallest of things as well. There's no scale. The, 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 the tiniest acts are, can be acts of love. Yeah.
3: Um, I was looking at the lessons of deeper knowledge that instructing me to embrace God in all things. And thinking back also to Carrie's preach on lament and like just more of like seeing God in that, lamenting in those hard spaces as well.
2: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think for me that that was the same one that I sort of ended up sitting with for the longest. I think it was, yeah, just this sense of um I think it's been a I think it's been re- really uh, life-giving to my own faith is this idea of God infusing um, and God's grace and being and love being in all of creation and uh, yeah and lots of the, the life and teachings of Assisi Francis of Assisi I'll speak into that but yeah there's so much more room to see God at work in our world in lovely ways than when we limit limit that to just the things that we've labelled as good so yeah anyone else got anything there yeah I was a bit similar to that um, and it I think like when you look at nature and stuff like that it, it it's easy to to see the beauty um, but then I was just reminded like it's that God's in all things and, and even in the ugliness of of people and and of the all the other stuff. <laughs> I need to remember it's all God's in all of those things as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Well, I might just pray and then we might just have um, just a minute or two of silence where um, I invite you just to uh, either, if there's a part of that or part of what we've shared together that is um, yeah, just doing something in you just to sit particularly with that or if you'd like to just read over a particular section um, or just sit in silence and let those things be with you and let God speak to you in that then. Use, yeah, use this moment of silence just to allow the God that is at work in all things to be at work in us in this space. Loving Creator, we thank you for life and for light. We thank you for your love that permeates all of creation. That is in the big, the small, the beautiful and the things that we don't understand. Help us to have eyes to see you at work and faith to, to know that you are in the places that we can't even imagine you being. Thank you, Lord. favorite things actually is just yeah hearing people just share the little bits that come out I'm always yeah it's always just like oh wow it's despite what I might think there's lots of wisdom in the room so (laughs) no it's yeah it's lovely so yeah thank you very much um and before before I forget we've got some of the like writings and quotes and things attributed to Francis um here if you'd like to grab any of those afterwards um, but we're gonna we're gonna come to the table together and oh actually we might um Alira, can I get you to just go and let the kids know that they can come down for communion? Yeah, yeah they will be. Yep. So
5: brace yourselves everyone. Yeah, yeah. So nerving. I've never done this bit because I was always like You know you get that feeling of like, I just wanna share something, but Okay, when I saw it, I actually saw it's actually a pattern throughout the whole thing, and that it's a little bit jumbled, but it's also not. So (laughs) the first one is the darkness, where someone can be in darkness but still have that single candle, but then when we have the called to heal wounds, as in this is how we feel about the people that have lost their ways, we've been called to heal the people that still have that little candle inside but they've got the darkness around them but the measure of love is to love without measure as in it's not just a good feeling to do it but it's actually this is an act of uh, why love is not measurable it was easy to love God and all the beautiful because everyone feels more comfortable when they're surrounded by people that are happy but the Lessons of deeper knowledge, as in, I read that as in like someone who actually understands when someone is not happy or when they're in the darkness themselves. And they're able to be instructed by God to embrace them in everything that they're going through. And then the last one, silence, I just read that as in, silence is usually the last thing you hear from someone. And that's usually the biggest sign than anything, and I feel that power of silence is always something that just tears me apart because that is so stronger than someone yelling, someone attacking, and someone everything, but when you go silent, it's so, so strong and it's usually the saddest thing to remember and it always reminds me of that last bit because everyone still does have that little candle inside of them but we just don't know how big the darkness is yeah I was like I have to say something or else I'll feel like I'll feel terrible but yeah
2: yeah thanks Dave that's beautiful that's really nice yeah well yeah what you said about science there is lovely too and it reminded me also of that idea of like you know when you when you're close enough to someone that you can just be in their presence and you don't have to necessarily be filling all those moments of silence like that's what when you were speaking it reminded me of that too that you can just be together and that yeah, there's that invitation too all right hey, welcome kids we're going to take communion come and come and find a spot wow we, we really multiplied. <laughs> Where did you guys all come from? Um, we might need to pour some more juice. Alright. Okay, everyone. So, kids, we're going to do two things. We're going to do two things. I'm going to read a, a very short poem. And then we're going to all read out a prayer of a guy that we've been talking about down in Old People Church um, called St. Francis of Assisi. And so we're going to read a poem that has kind of been reinterpreted of his, and then we're going to read out a prayer together that, um, of his as well. So if Crusoe uh, is the, yep, that one there, yep, thank you. Um, so this is inspired by St. Francis, but has been um, sort of rewritten by uh, Daniel Ladinsky. And let me, let me read this out. I once spoke to my friend, an old squirrel, about the sacraments. He got so excited and ran into a hollow in his tree and came back holding some acorns, an owl feather, and a ribbon he had found. And I just smiled and said, Yes, dear, you understand. Everything imparts his grace. And I just I think that is so lovely and so francis Um but is also a beautiful thing to as we come to the table together, as we take communion together, that this act that we're doing in taking the bread and the juice, we're remembering the body and the blood of Jesus, but it's also this empowering act of Jesus. To say, these things are me. You take them into you, you become me. That we, I am in you, you are in me, that this kind of in mutual indwelling of God in us and God in all creation. And so as we as we eat and we drink today, I want us just to think about the fact that God is in all of God's creation. That they exist and love in and through all things, through bread, through wine. Through the air that we breathe, through the heat that we're going to feel on our bodies as we leave the building today, through all of life.